0: Hey, welcome to episode 11 of the Hockey Free For All podcast. Yes, we're already up to episode 11. So, what else is there to talk about in part 2 that we didn't cover in part 1 where we left off with defensive issues? Let's get into offensive line combinations. So, there's apparently a lot of people that either are, Concerned about too many rookies starting or concerned about too many people already in existence, how about we have the best possible roster on the ice that doesn't cause any development problems for any players? Meaning, not rushing anybody, but yet also not putting somebody in a roster spot that doesn't really deserve it just to be cautious because apparently there's a lot of people that like to just be over cautious about things i get it there has been a long history of draft picks that have not turned out very well for the montreal canadians as a matter of fact one could argue that really since the 70s most first-round picks haven't turned out to be that great and that later round picks have actually turned out to be better than early round picks which is weird but also says a lot for the scouting staff in the fact that they know late round talent that well but it hardly excuses the horrific history on first-round draft picks. However, if you look at the last four drafts, specifically 2019, 2020, 2021, and 2022, seem to be a very large turnaround as there seems to be a lot of potential talent that's going to actually live up to its name, live up to its ability, But I also think that the new development program and personnel and staff is going to have an enormous role in making that happen. So I think that's been one of the biggest changes. So with with that said, let's get into the forward lines. Starting with, of course, that very issue that Yuriyev Slavkovsky was a first round pick this year. If he's ready to make the team, if he has a great rookie camp, comes into the mainstream training camp, does equally as well or better, and he's ready, why would anybody in their right mind send him down to Laval, send him back to an international program, or send him to a junior program? If he is ready, then let him be the left wing with Cole Caulfield on. the right and nick suzuki at center what is wrong with that what what is wrong with having if you've got three players of the ages of 18 21 and 23 ready to go how is that a bad thing let them play let them develop chemistry and hopefully develop chemistry to that magical level that everyone misses so much of the Lafleurs, the shuts Jacques Lemaire, the Jean Bellevaux, Maurice Richard, just all the players that instinctively or inherently knew where each other was and just had amazing fluidity and knowledge of where the other person would be. What's wrong with that coming back? Does everybody not want that? That seems to be everything that I would think everybody wants. Is that kind of magical team? And if these players can put that together, why would anybody prolong that? The only thing that I can see is if Stofoski has a training camp where there's some obvious areas of weakness, there's some obvious areas of improvement, Something that could derail or get in his way of development, then yes, absolutely, put him in Laval or wherever he's going to be sent back to. And in that case, Evgeny Donatov should be the left wing on that line. Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki are outstanding players. And it finally looks like chemistry is going to be played with chemistry, or combination of skills are going to be put with the proper combination of skills. And Donatoff is honestly the only other left wing that I think makes sense, if not Slavkovsky. Donatov is the only other left wing that makes sense to play with Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. If you truly want to have a dynamic line. And if that's the case and it is Donatov, or as some people say, Dan Danoff is another way of pronouncing that. If that is in case the line combination, then at the very least, he's going to look really good with Suzuki and Caulfield. And maybe that ups the trade value that he provides the Montreal Canadiens between the beginning of the season and the trade deadline. That in no way could be a bad thing either. If you can up his value and get more, because I, I just can't see, he's already at $5 million. I can't see Montreal bringing a lot of guys back at those prices or higher contracts, given all of the talent that they already have and have to keep signed and keep together that just doesn't make any sense from that perspective. In line two, there's apparently a lot of people that are highly skeptical of some of these players. Josh Anderson, Kirby Doc, and Christian Dvorak. You know, everybody's talked about Christian Dvorak being a center. Christian Dvorak can also play left wing. Christian Dvorak and Josh Anderson also played together at London in the OHL. They would also Create really good line mates for Kirby Doc. You got Kirby Doc six foot four, two hundred pounds. Josh Anderson, six foot three, two hundred and twenty-seven pounds. Christian Dvorak, six foot one, two hundred pounds. Christian Dvorak and Josh Anderson have chemistry already, have played together. That was one of the first things they mentioned when they came over that they look forward to playing together. Put them as the wingers with Kirby Doc. That could make a very interesting line. Doc is supposedly a very good passer. Dvorak is a very good two-way forward. And Josh Anderson is a very good goal scorer. That sounds like a really good combination. Bringing us to line three. Brendan Gallagher has been looking for new linemates since Philip Deneau and Thomas Tatar left. Interestingly, he could have those two new linemates that he's been looking for this year. Apparently, Brendan Gallagher also knows Sean Monahan, who also Sean Monahan knows Jake Evans. Jake Evans and Sean Monaghan trained together in the offseason, are obviously good friends. So again, you've got some chemistry, some awareness of each other. Sean Monahan has met Brendan Gallagher before. What's wrong with that combination? Gallagher, Monaghan, Jake Evans on the third line. And again, Jake Evans on this line, just like Christian Dvorak on line two that I spoke about. Is he a center? Yes, he is both of them can also play left wing. That also gives you the ability on both of those lines. Should the centers of Kirby Dock and Sean Monahan get thrown out of a draw, that gives you an automatic backup on the line that also gives you positional play that can transfer or integrate with each other exchanging positions and things giving lines more flexibility more dangerous to the opposition that they're facing causing them greater amounts of problems now in line four because everybody's saying holy cow that leaves a lot of guys fighting for line four yeah it does That is part of the advantage of having depth. So that leaves a whole bunch of players. Paul Byron, who's probably going to be on LTIR for at least the first beginning of the season. But let's say he's not and he's available. Jonathan Druran, Joel Armia, Michael Pelzetta, Rem Picklick, Richard Anthony, Mitchell Stevens, Joel Tisdale, Nate Shar. There's a lot of players. Well, Nate Shar, Lucas Candata, Brett Stapley, Mitchell Stevens... Richard Anthony probably all get sent to Laval. Joel Tisdale will be interesting to watch. I mean, he may very well be ready, but he's also had an extremely harsh injury situation for consecutive seasons. He may not. But at the very least, that leaves you players such as Armia, Duran, Hoffman, Aldvai. For that fourth line. And that still doesn't include Rem Picklick and Michael Pozzetta who I think Rem Picklick and Michael Pozzetta should be the center in the left wing on that line and let everybody else fight for the right wing spot. But that being said, also, you want to obviously play Hoffman, Duran, Byron, Armia, all those guys that you obviously want to trade. Obviously, you want to market that. You want to highlight those guys so that other teams start a bidding war on them as well. Which, if those four players plus many others aren't gone by the trade deadline, would be extraordinarily surprising. And I think that's one of the things that makes this season extraordinarily exciting as well. A lot of people are talking about, oh my god, this is going to be a bad season. There's nothing to look forward to. I disagree. I think you have a defense that we talked about last week that is younger, stronger, more fluid than last year's defense everybody on the defense wants to be there nobody on the defense is starting on ltir this year all of which happened last year so i think that automatically makes this year's defense far more interesting on the offensive side i think you have lots of line combinations and flexibilities which i think is going to give the coaching staff all kinds of unusual opportunities and make differences that most coaching staffs don't have access to which can change games dramatically I think the Canadians are definitely going to score more goals than they did last year. I think the Canadians' defense is going to be better than last year's defense, mainly because I don't know how it could be any worse. Last year's defense was just that bad. I have no idea how anybody can say this year's is going to be worse. But the same thing in the line combinations. If some of those injuries with the offensive players continue, I think at least this gives Montreal options and doesn't have them going into the situation like last year where they were like, it's sometimes 10, 11, or 12 guys out of the lineup literally having them having to call up everybody from Laval. At least that should be preventative for that as well as providing Montreal the opportunity to continue to gain and accrue massive amounts of draft capital and team assets. I think Montreal's in an awesome position that way. I still say the biggest issue or the biggest position of concern is goaltending. And I am all for Jake Allen being traded. I know a lot of people, it's like, oh my God, how can you do that? We're already down Carey Price. You don't have anything in goal to begin with. Let's be honest about that. Caden Primo isn't ready. Carey Price is on season-long LTIR. Jake Allen last year had injury issues and proved he can't be that Carey Price number one goaltender. And Sam Montebo is a capable Backup. You can play him twenty some games. Beyond that, the guy really either doesn't have the endurance for it, or maybe he just needs an opportunity to prove it. But so far, he hasn't. So the number one trade that I'd like to see, which involves this forward group that we're talking about this week, is I would love to see Joel Armia sent to Vancouver for goaltending prospect Michael DiPietro. Goaltending is going to be an unknown anyways, so you're you're not making anything better or anything worse by the, by that trade. You're getting rid of another contract and i quite honestly think armia like a lot of other players just needs a change i mean obviously look at how comfortable he was this year playing for finland and the far better tournament he had playing for finland than he had regular season last year where basically his name should have been ghost i mean he was basically a ghost last year there were times that people say wow is he even still here i mean there were a lot of nights nobody even had a clue that he was still around But if you like surprise, if you like options and you like opportunity, this season should be one of the most exciting seasons that you've seen and basically be like six to seven month celebration of Christmas. I mean, it's just going to be a really entertaining season with all the players that are going to come through, with all the trades that would be absolutely surprising if they aren't made. A lot of people leaving the, the organization, but a lot of people coming in, finally being able to see the talent the organization has being able to watch them grow with the team on multiple levels, establishing the next great generation of players and talent for this organization. And you finally have not only prospects, but a management team, a development team, a coaching staff. I don't know how anybody can look at this team and go, oh, this is going to be a very exciting year. Really? What is it that excites you? I mean, yes, would you obviously prefer a consistent contender that is guaranteed, guaranteed to represent their conference at a minimal every year and go to the Stanley Cup and preferably win it. We all would. Absolutely. Montreal deserves that position. The Stanley Cup is never in its right home until it returns to the city of Montreal. We all know that. That being said, though, this is a lot of excitement that leads to those possibilities. And it's just extremely surprising that a lot of people have such a dim view of or such a dark outlook of what this season is going to be like. I think this season is going to be spectacular. Unfortunately, though, on one thing, I don't think the Connor Bedard situation is going to turn out the way that a lot of people are hoping for. I know a lot of people want to see him in a Montreal uniform. I just think there's some severe competition with Chicago and Arizona at a minimal for that guy's talent. Could Montreal finish that bad again? I don't think anybody looks forward to them finishing 32nd again again. Could Montreal win the draft lottery? That would be kind of nice to see that fall in their lap like it has with New Jersey and Edmonton a lot of years, but it remains to be seen. That being said, the 2023 draft holds some amazing, amazing talent. If it's not Connor Bedard, maybe it's Adam Fantilli. And there's a whole bunch of other ones that we'll get into much more throughout the year, but there is a lot of talent and I still believe, although like we talked about goaltending last week, I think there's some diamond in the rough candidates within the organization, and I think this is a perfect draft as Montreal continues to acquire so many draft picks and so many draft assets. I think this is a perfect year to be able to find a goaltender with one of those either later first round picks or somewhere between the first and fourth round that could really turn out to be something special in goal. I don't think all is lost in the goaltending world. I know some people are very depressed about it unfortunately everyone's career comes to an end at some point we wish they could play forever how many people don't wish that Wayne Gretzky Mario Lemieux Ken Dryden how many people don't wish they were still playing unfortunately everyone's career comes to a conclusion at some point I just hope, in the case of Kerry Price, that he recovers fully, first and foremost, for his family, obviously, so he can do anything and everything he wants to do with his kids and his wife, and isn't limited in any way. I hope that more than anything else. I hope the man makes a miraculous recovery. The man has always been a family man first. I have nothing but admiration for him. But unfortunately, he is the next in line that people have to say goodbye to, and look forward to what awaits in that position. On that note, I'm your host. Steven Stiles. Thank you for tuning in to episode 11. We'll be back with a variety of topics. Can't wait to talk to you about all of those. And until then, once again, thank you for joining me for episode 11. Have a fantastic week.